Hello, welcome to the first podcast of Startup Recruitment Failures. I am Indra, founder and CEO of JobRely, Outbound Recruitment SaaS, and I have more than 10 years of experience in recruitment focusing on startups. And my guest today is Bosko Todorovic, co-founder and chief growth officer at Trember. Hi, Bosco. Could you please introduce yourself and your startup? Of course. Um, as you said, my name is Bosco. I'm now a little bit more than 20 years in the startup industry, being through different startups. Um, and currently, I'm at Trember, which is a SaaS company. Um, we have developed a platform for virtual and hybrid events. Mm -hmm. And we're doing this now for a couple of years. And of course, the pandemic was one of the fire starters for um, our product. But now we are entering also a completely new uh, event tech industry. So how this idea of your startup uh, was born? Well, actually, it was born through a completely different idea. Because three years ago, we came up with the idea to build an app that was supposed to be used for uh, offline meetings, more casual, like for your birthday party or going to a concert or something like that, mm -hmm. because we felt it, it was a little bit more complex to organize and initiate an event with friends through, let's say, WhatsApp or something, because that's pretty messy. Yeah. And we came up with this idea, which was back at that time, a big thing in the US, and we just wanted to bring it to Europe. And then, unfortunately, uh, Corona uh, started and the first lockdowns and meeting in real life was not that cool anymore. And so we had to switch to a digital uh, yeah, variant. Okay, okay, understood. And when talking about the biggest failure of recruitment you had, uh, could you give us your story? Sure. I mean, just as, as many other startups, we had to hire many people pretty fast and uh, getting the right people on board is then pretty difficult because you're, let's say you're almost desperate. You need people. You need to, to bring in new power on board mm -hmm. to, to develop the company as fast as you want. And this brings also a lot of uh, issues with it. And uh, for instance, I can tell for, for my department, which is uh, marketing and sales, we've been looking for, for salespeople. And we, we started actually with some interns and we've been lucky that these interns have been very, very talented and we hired them um, later on as full-time employees. But we've been also looking for a head of sales, for instance. Mm -hmm. And that was um, difficult, let's say. Mm -hmm. because you've been looking for someone that is experienced enough on one hand, but has this typical startup attitude, you know, like doing things on your own, um, not being too, um, or, or just making your hands dirty, mm -hmm. not being only the leader, but also to influence people in a positive way to motivate them, to show them things, to educate them. Uh, and, and, what I think is the most important that they are also part of the spirit that you already build up with the other people, you know, that this mm -hmm. person also somehow fits into the cultural aspects and the, into the personality. And all these at once in a, in a very short time period is, is pretty challenging. 
So was it difficult to find the people, uh, like, you know, to attract candidates for interviews? Or was it difficult because you were interviewing many people and no one was fitting? Um, well, you're right. It's it's pretty challenging to find people in the first place because mm-hmm. as if you're a, a, a no, um, an unknown startup and you just started and nobody really knows you and you have no reputation at all, it's pretty hard to get people... Um, to apply that you didn't know before. So mm-hmm. um, we tried, of course, first to go through our own network to find uh, people. But um, unfortunately, the people that we know are also, I mean, of course, they are very um, experienced, but on the other hand, they're also very expensive. Mm-hmm. And there's you, you, you need to find the balance somewhere in between. So we've been also looking for people that we didn't know back at that time. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was not that many people applied in the first place. And if they did, they probably didn't fit the requirements. So how many interviews did you manage to have for this head of sales uh, position? Um, in the first round back then, we had maybe a handful, like five or six. Okay. Because we already filtered out people that didn't fit uh, at all. So we didn't invite them uh, to, to the interviews at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. But for interviews, I would say it was around about five or six, can't remember exactly. So it's not too bad. Five and six people to compare and to choose uh, who's the best. So why, why do you say it was a failure? Um, how did you fail? Well, we failed in terms of we needed to be fast. Mm-hmm. So we needed to have a fast decision. Um, we also have been afraid that these people could probably go to someone else because they are maybe having also some more interviews than only us. Yeah, and there's a lot of competition. Exactly. And we didn't want to lose this person, so we had to decide pretty fast. But still, we wanted also to um, do our due diligence with this person mm-hmm. and bring him through different levels of interviews. We usually also interview this person with all our members of the of the management mm-hmm. so that everyone can make an opinion, even though this person will not work in that department, but at least... We want to have an overall opinion that somehow is consistent. Mm-hmm. And what happened? Well, I mean, um, we had a good feeling, even though there have been some red flags for the person that we decided to go for. Okay. And But we ignored these red flags in the first place. So we said, okay, come on, maybe it's a bad feeling, but probably we are wrong. So give this person a chance. Who knows? Um, I, I, I usually tend to always to give someone a chance, you know, at, at the end, maybe I'm wrong with my feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we decided to go with this person and it turns out very fast that it was absolutely a mess okay. from different perspectives. Could, could you tell me more what, what was happening? Uh, yeah. So first of all, um, the person probably they oversold themselves, you know, they're selling themselves as a product when they do these interviews. So they over, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, they, they, this person oversold him, and um, the thing was that it turns out very fast that it was very difficult from the personality to work with this person. Mm-hmm. He didn't agree to, let's say, come down on our level and to work with us as a team. There was from the first day, it felt like competition. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was leading the team before and I said, 
when we hire someone for head of sales, for instance, I will give everything to this person because I am not, let's say, the specific salesman. Mm-hmm. And that's why we hire a head of sales because I, I, or the promise was that he's better than me and he knows how to build up the team, uh, what are the requirements that we need to fulfill, etc., etc. But it turns out that even though he had a lot of demands, he haven't done anything, you know. Uh, so, for instance, um, he was supposed to to also acquire new clients on his own, mm-hmm. and this is something that he hasn't done at all. So. He, he just said that he was talking to people, but when you went more detailed, it turned out that he hadn't done anything. Okay. So there was literally nothing behind it. And, but he was sitting more or less on the chair and waiting others to, to work because he's, he behaved like, I'm the head of, I don't have to do anything. I'm just leading. And if you're a small startup, like every little person, have to do stuff mm-hmm. to be hands-on definitely absolutely did did you try to talk to to him and you know to to remind him that this is a startup you have to be hands-on and then to do uh, a lot of like to take many responsibility on your own right not on others did you try to agree on something with him and to see maybe to understand better his point of view absolutely we had a couple of talks i mean it, we had um, at least uh, once a week a jaw fix mm-hmm where we spoke in detail about everything that is going on. But his answer was sometimes, no, I, I'm not going to do it. I, I don't want to. And I said, yeah, but that's part of the job. And he said just simply, no, but I, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I said, no way, this won't work. And that was already the first um, collision that we had. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we also spoke about other stuff. So it was not only about things that he doesn't want to do or didn't want to do. It was also about how he behaved towards colleagues. Okay. You know, he, he, he immediately started to be more intrigued, uh, even in the first week, you know, and to, to play against people. And um, that was strange. I never had this experience before, to be honest. And I'm definitely myself not a person that loves this internal politics. Mm-hmm. I hate this. And I was very much surprised that someone that enters the, the company as a freshman is immediately starting with internal politics. When you say internal politics, what, what do you mean? Could you uh, give an example? Like he spoke to, to parts of the management uh-huh. and immediately tried to um, to take over their opinions and to influence them in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he even didn't wait to have a look more detailed into the company to learn first about the processes that we already implemented and everything. I mean, that's the first thing that I would do when I enter a company. I would first look what is there, how are the processes made, uh, where can we actually start optimizing, but not just for the sake of changing just simply changing from the first day on uh, without having a deeper look into things or without first talking to people openly. But he started immediately being very intrigued and, and influential. At, at what point did you understand that there are like some politic, uh, political games being played? Uh, because usually this is the the bad thing about the politics, right? You, no one understands what's happening and uh, each of the team members start, you know, to be turned to each other. Um, how did you 
caught that he is doing such a thing? Well, we are lucky that our management team is very close to each other. Mm -hmm. And this is something that makes also um, this company... I would say almost very special because we're very open to each other. Mm -hmm. We can talk very openly and we've been through a couple ups and downs like every startup is in the beginning, more or less. Yeah, <laughs> And that brought us very close to each other. So I think what this guy didn't expect it is that we, that we spoke very openly during that time with each other. Mm -hmm. And so we figured it out very fast. You know, we, we, we spoke almost daily with each other. And then one colleague from the management came to me said, did you recognize like what he's doing and, and how he's speaking and so on and so on? And we said, well, you're right. And then the, another one from the management team, yes, and he did it with me as well and so on. And so it, that's the way how it came out, actually, that we figured out. Okay, good that you are such a close team. Otherwise, uh, you know, the team can, be, can get very demotivated. Absolutely. But I believe still uh, some, some footprints have been left, right? After all these things, how was the team feeling about it? Um, yeah, well, the footprints have been pretty deep. And uh, so for the next hires, uh, we tried to be more careful. Mm -hmm. And uh, since then, we are extending also the number of interviews that we're having in between the management team. And we are giving now more attention to details and probably some red flags. Mm -hmm. So we are not just ignoring them, saying, okay, let's give him a chance. Mm -hmm. So we decided if there is a red flag, if someone of the management team is raising a red flag, then we will immediately stop the interview mm -hmm. um, because we cannot afford anymore to onboard a person, which already takes a while, and then maybe try this with this person for a couple months. And then after, let's say, three or four months to decide whether we're going to continue with this person or not, because it's not only that you probably have someone making trouble in your company. It's also the time that you're losing with trying with the wrong people. Mm -hmm. And wasting money, right? Because exactly. uh, when you talk about the head of sales, uh, it's pretty expensive. Uh, so if, if you spend one, two or three month salary, it's already a huge loss if there's Absolutely. no delivery. And okay, so uh, higher number of interviews, anything else uh, you, you are going to do differently than you used to? Do before? Absolutely. So we're going to try to challenge people. Um, in our case, for instance, um, even though we are a SaaS company and selling a, a software, let's say, mm -hmm. um, we are a very emotional product. I mean, we are selling a product for events and an event in general is a very emotional thing because the people that are organizing these events They worry if everything will work fine and if the event will be successful at the end and so on and so on. And so we are not trying to sell, let's say, a button or a feature. Mm -hmm. We are trying to sell the emotion that the event at the end will be amazing. Mm -hmm. And for that, um, you need to have also this empathy as a salesperson. You know, mm -hmm. um, some of our clients, they are looking more into technical stuff. Some others are looking into more soft skill stuff, etc. So you need to adapt very quickly as a salesperson to the need of our clients. Mm -hmm. and, and that in a very emotional way. 
And I am, for instance, a very emotional person. I love to sell emotional. Mm -hmm. And and I think that this is the way how it should work in our case. And that's why we want to challenge people not only having, let's say, the dry sales skills, mm -hmm. like how to approach a new potential client and how to write an email, etc., or to, to, to set up a sales presentation, but also how do you speak to them? Like, how is your voice? How is your whole behavior and attitude towards the the new prospects and and this is very very important because we want to show emotions we want to sell differently mm -hmm. and all together is very very important so yeah that's why we are going to challenge all the candidates in the future also in this direction like how would they do a let's say a demo of our product to a client etc Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about uh, the reference checkup? Maybe if you had checked uh, the references of that previous uh, failure candidate you had, um, maybe you would uh, know in the very beginning that that person is into the politics and drama and et cetera, et cetera, and you would uh, have saved a lot of time. Very good point. So um, actually, at, back at that time, we tried to um, speak to references of this uh, one guy. Huh? But he didn't give us. <clears throat> he said, like, like, who cares about the references? If you want me, you take me. If not, then go to hell. You know, like that. Okay. And that was one of the red flags that I spoke about. In the future, we also said that we will always go for references. Because, of course, on paper, they all look amazing. But if, you know, sometimes you see on, on, the, v on, on the CV that um, someone probably changed very fast companies or was for a very long time in one company. So just by reading this paper, it doesn't tell you what exactly was going on. Mm -hmm. And I think it's more important to speak to the references to really figure out why a person was changing that often. Mm -hmm. uh, even though, of course, the person will tell you a story why that was the reason. But you need to, to double check at the end and to find out what was the real reason or why he stayed for such a long time in one company. It could be an advantage and disadvantage at the same time. Mm -hmm. So reference checkup is definitely very, very important. Okay. Is there anything else you would like to advise uh, other startup founders what to do or what not to do? Well, um, even though it's very difficult, but I would say being desperate and l desperately looking for people is always the wrong way because you will probably ignore red flags or um, some other hints that will probably show you that this is not the right person. So take your time, uh, even though the sales process is too long. But if you're like fearing that this person could probably leave and go to another company during the um, interview process, well, then don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, if the person leaves, then it, he leaves. There will be another one coming. And if it takes time, it takes time. So better look for the right person. It's much cheaper at the end mm -hmm. in terms of, of money or budget uh, and time. And also the issues that this person can, can cause towards clients. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine you onboard the wrong person and he really behaves in a wrong way with potential clients and these clients will say what kind of company is that yeah you know i will never talk to, and speak to them uh, again so there could be 
also a, a lot of negative impact. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So that's why desperate behavior is always the wrong way. Even though it's hard, I know you're looking desperately <laughs> for people. You need to grow, you need to hire, but take yeah. your time. Great, great. Thank you so much, Bosco, for, for your time and for sharing your story. And thank you to all the listeners. For more podcasts, please visit jobrely.com. <laughs>